0: Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. So glad that you're here tonight, that we can be in the presence of Jesus. Anybody else feel that heaviness this week? Just feel like you were able to just kind of let it just fall off of you as you worshiped, it was good. Thank you, band. That was, that was really good. So whenever I am asking God what I am supposed to stand up here and say to all of you, I ask myself this question. If this were my last chance to stand up here and speak with you, speak with my church family, what would I want to say to them? And sometimes I get to answer this question, and sometimes God is like, Heather, just obey and tell you, tell them what I told you to say. I'm like, okay, I will do that, even though I don't want to. But this time when I asked this question, I felt the Holy Spirit say, go for it. So I'm going to share from a really vulnerable place in my heart tonight, okay, and I'm going to tell you the thing. That I would stand up here and tell you if it were my last words to you. You know, sometimes my friends and I, every now and then, we ask each other these two questions. And uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we did this again with each other. And we laugh about it because we'll, one of us will come up with the idea and then we'll be like, we've asked these questions before. We're like, yeah, yeah, we know, but we're going to ask them again. And he's asking these questions, as kind of a way of keeping ourselves accountable and keeping each other accountable about how we're doing with the things that we're struggling with in our lives. And the questions are this, what's one thing you love about yourself? So think about that right now. What's one thing you love about yourself? And then the second one is, what's one thing you really don't like about yourself? Or even stronger language, what's one thing you hate about yourself? I bet that one's easier to answer, isn't it? Yeah. And you know, there's always this wide range of answers, but here's the thing that we've realized as we've asked this question a few times. Usually a person has basically the same answer to both questions. The thing you love about yourself is also often the thing that you hate about yourself. For instance, someone might say, I love that I'm a quiet and reserved person who doesn't cause a lot of drama. And I hate that I am not able to show emotion, as much emotion as others, and people misunderstand me because I'm quiet. For me, this time, when we asked each other this question, my answer was this. I love that I feel things so deeply and so easily. Like a few years ago when I got a new old car, um, David Little asked me, how do you like your new old car? And my, my, my response was, I absolutely love it. <laughs> he started laughing. and He said, wow, that's the most enthusiastic response I've ever heard from someone about their new old car. But when I find a new hobby, I love it. When there's a new restaurant in town and we go, I absolutely love it. And I have to tell everybody, you got to try this new restaurant. Some would say I have spurts of loving things. (laughs) I think I just have a great appreciation for a lot of things. But the thing I said I didn't like about myself was that I have such big feelings. I feel things really deeply. Like, when I feel betrayed by someone, they're dead to me. At least that's what my feelings tell me. And when I'm sad about something, I have a hard time not letting it take over every part of me. So my big feelings go both ways. It's a love-hate relationship, really. And, you know, 2020, some of you might be able to relate to this, was a year of really big feelings. Anybody else? <laughs> I had some feelings of anger that I didn't even know existed rise up inside of me. And some of it was righteous anger, some of it was sinful anger. I had I had feelings of justice rise up. I'm like, "Where did that come from?" I had feelings of loss, like really deep grieving because of some things that my kids had to miss out on. And thinking about a year of my kids' lives lost and all of their activities and the things that they love to do, like that that really was difficult for me. I had some really big feelings and moments of complacency and laziness this year. I think 2020 was a breeding ground for that. You know, but in spite of all of those big negative feelings, there was one encompassing feeling that I had this year that really did overcome all of the others. Those other feelings, they would come and they would go and my anger would rise and then it would subside. My sadness would rise and then it would subside. But over the last few months, as I've been thinking about this one big feeling that that was overwhelmingly bigger than any other feeling it was this i love jesus so much and that overwhelming feeling has not left me in fact it has grown it has continued to grow this year in spite of all of the other really difficult feelings that I've had. So when I asked myself the question, what do I want to stand up there and tell the people, my church family, the people I love so much, if it was my last chance to tell them something, what would I want to tell them? And my instant answer was this. I would tell them how incredible it is to be madly in love with Jesus. And I would make sure that they also had the opportunity to know this kind of love. Now, I know some of you are like, great. Sounds a little radical to me. (laughs) Talking about listening, hearing someone talk about how much they love somebody is a little uncomfortable, right? Like when somebody's just fallen in love and they're all gooey and mushy, like keep that stuff to yourself. But I have to tell you this, I have to because it is better than any message I could ever give you. And there is nothing like being so in love with Jesus that you find yourself overcome by emotion in the middle of a normal day or a normal activity. You know, I've experienced a closeness with him this year that I've never had before, and I want to tell you about it. So I'm stepping out here, and I'm being really vulnerable with you. I'm going to share some of my own personal experiences with Jesus because I am so desperate for you to also have really intimate experiences with Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, we were on a plane flying to Arizona. We had pulled off an epic Christmas surprise for our kids they opened up a gift on Christmas morning that said we're going on a trip and we're leaving tomorrow so we were packed into this plane like sardines and I'm not kidding there was literally not one seat empty and it was super hot on the plane they had the heat cranked up what right am I right dripping sweat, wearing a mask so I could barely breathe, and I already don't like to fly that much. So you can can imagine my anxiety was like, whoop, way up here. And I'm just, I'm sitting there, I'm just trying to focus on not being freaked out. Trying to focus on the fact that in a few moments, we're not going to be launching through the air in a metal tube. And I remember really clearly, I wasn't listening to any music. I wasn't watching anything. I wasn't reading anything. I was literally just sitting on the plane, telling myself to breathe, watching the rest of the people load the plane. And I remember saying in my mind, Jesus, please help me trust you. I do, I really do trust you. Please help me. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I was so overcome by the love of Jesus. It was like a warm blanket just was wrapped around me. I can't really explain it to you other than there was nothing I could do but sit there as tears just fell down my face. And this went on for a while because before we knew it, before I knew it, we were in the air and I had not even realized that we had taken off. Now, as you can imagine, I probably looked like quite a freak sitting there with a mask on with tears and makeup streaming down my face, just sitting there. Jesus, I love you so much. (laughs) Thankfully, I don't think anyone was paying attention. But that response was because I was so overwhelmed by the love that Jesus has for me and my love for him. It was a supernatural moment, an experience of the love of Jesus coming over me to take my anxiety, to take my fear, and to bring me into a place where all that I had was my gaze fixed on him. And so I want to ask you tonight, do you have those moments with Jesus? Do you have a desperation for Jesus? Does his presence or just the sound of his name, or just the thought of who he is ever bring you to tears? I know some of you think this sounds a little crazy, and I want to give you that. I remember about 12 years ago, I was at a conference, and a man came on stage, and I'd never heard of him before. His name was Francis Chan. (laughs) Some of you are laughing because you were there with me. And um, as long as I live, I will not forget his message. Now, to be fair, I really only remember one line of his message. I have no idea what he said the rest of the time. But it was because he told us how much he loved Jesus. And he said it was such passion and such commitment that you could not help but believe him. He put his hands on top of his head, his bald head, and like both of his hands because he wasn't holding a mic. And if I could do it, I would. And he said, do you love Jesus like I love Jesus? And he was begging us to realize that what he had, this deep, passionate, intimate love for Jesus was available to us also. I will never forget that as long as I live. Now, I have loved Jesus a whole lot for my whole life. My parents, especially my mom, they taught us to do that. I can remember my mom just talking about Jesus in a way that I didn't hear other people talk about Jesus. She really, really loved him, still loves him. But when I heard Francis talk about how much he loved Jesus, I wanted that extra kind of love for Jesus, I wanted to be able to stand in front of people and say, do you love Jesus like I love Jesus? Has he impacted your life in a way that changes everything about you? I wanted the kind of love that the Bible talks about. And I didn't just want to read about it. I didn't want to just sing songs about it. I wanted to experience it. So we are in our home address series right now, which means that we're choosing verses from chapter 3, verse 7, for 307 Oak Street. We did this a couple years ago where we did 214 verses. And my text today is going to come from the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 7. But I'm going to begin at verse 1 because you need some context, okay? This is a letter that the Apostle Paul had written to the people of Philippi, which you need to understand um, the Philippians were Greek. They were Gentiles, so they were not Hebrews. They were not under the, the Hebrew law. They were—Paul um, was, was talking to them um, about things that they needed to understand uh, didn't necessarily apply to them like they had applied to the Old Testament law with the Hebrews. What's interesting to me about this letter, and it's not the only one that's this way, but while Paul is writing this, he is under house arrest. He could not leave his house or the house that he was in. This letter is actually all about joy. It's about joy that comes from Jesus regardless of your circumstances. That's a whole another message for another time. But for our purpose today, we're going to look at this letter and we're going to look at it about the intimacy of knowing Jesus and how that intimacy can bring great joy. It does bring great joy, even in the midst of lockdowns. Even in the midst of schools being closed and businesses failing and isolation and sickness and loneliness and sports being canceled and a nation in turmoil, even in the midst of all of that, intimacy with Jesus brings joy. And Paul had this. When you read his letters, you're like, man, that guy was happy. How did he have this overwhelming joy, even though he was going through these really difficult things? He actually didn't know if he was going to live or die when he wrote this letter to the Philippians. Think about that. Think about if I was standing up here today telling you this, and I didn't know that when I walked out those doors, they might come for me. I might die. That's what he's writing to these people. That's what it means to be so in love with Jesus that everything else pales in comparison. I remember when we were first married, I am married to a lover boy. Let me tell you, this man loves well. We were newly married and we were very poor, like so poor we ate ramen noodles every day. Ramen noodles are pretty good, yes. Yes. (laughs) And Chris would look at me and he would say to me, I would rather live in a cardboard box with you than be really rich and not have you. (laughs) Don't worry, there are more lovey Chris stories. But that's love, you guys. That's the kind of love for Jesus that Paul is talking about in in these verses. The kind of love that I'm really desperate for us all to find. Desperate. For you to find. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter three, starting in verse one. My beloved ones, don't ever limit your joy or fail to rejoice in the wonderful experience of knowing our Lord Jesus. We could just go home after that verse. (laughs) So good. I don't mind repeating what I've already written you because it protects you. Beware of those religious hypocrites who teach that you should be circumcised to please God. For we have already experienced heart circumcision, and we worship God in the power and freedom of the Holy Spirit, not in laws and religious duties. We are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done and not in what we can accomplish in our own strength. It's true that I once relied on all that I had become. I had a reason to boast and to impress people with my accomplishments more than others, mind you, for my pedigree was impeccable. I was born a true Hebrew of the heritage of Israel as the son of a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised eight days after my birth and was raised in the strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism, living a separated and devout life as a Pharisee. And concerning the righteousness of the Torah No one surpassed me. I was without peer. Furthermore, as a fiery defender of the truth, I persecuted the messianic believers with religious zeal. I really like Paul. He is another person with super big feelings. (laughs) Verse 7. Yet all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them And I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. We're going to keep going. My passion is to be consumed with him and not clinging to my own righteousness based in keeping the written law. My righteousness will be his based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. It's tough. I will be one with him in his sufferings, and I will be one with him in his death. Only then will I'll be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. I admit, that I haven't yet acquired, the absolute fullness that I am pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past. Some of you need to hear that. As I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. Listen to this. So let all who are fully mature have this same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. And let us advance together to reach this victory prize, following one path with one passion. Verse 7, yet all the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them. All of those things that you've achieved, that you've worked so hard for, the status, the stuff, the relationships, not bad things, really, really good things, gifts from God. All of those accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them, and I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. That's the message I had to tell you tonight. You know, I mentioned one specific experience that I had a few weeks ago on a plane, And let me tell you, when those overwhelming encounters with Jesus happen, like you don't want to be anywhere else. They are awesome. But the reality is that most of the time, my love for Jesus is simple, it's not dramatic. It's in the everyday moments that I feel his spirit with me, that I see the beautiful ice and snow on the trees, I hear my kids laughing. I don't want to lead you guys into some kind of false fantasy world that leads you to think that being so in love with Jesus means you're bawling your eyes out all the time. People would be like, you need to get your emotions together. Or that being so in love with Jesus means that you're some like radical lover person. (laughs) It can mean that. (laughs) It's a mindset. It's a mindset. It's not being able to imagine your life without Jesus and letting that thought dictate your actions. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, live every single day. Wake up. Live every single day knowing you get to love and experience Jesus today in a whole new way and find delight in that. Find delight in it. Wake up thinking, how. Is Jesus going to show me he loves me today? And how am I going to show him that I love him? So I had to ask myself this question. What keeps people from being totally and radically in love with Jesus? Let's go back to that, you know, newly in love couple. Like they just don't stop looking at each other. They don't stop touching each other. They don't stop talking about each other. Everybody knows that they're in love. And I just wonder if everybody knows that we're in love with Jesus. So I ask the Holy Spirit here because I do know that one size does not fit all. And the reason that you might not feel like you're totally in love with Jesus was probably very different from the person sitting next to you. So I felt a few things stand out to me, and I want to run through them. But keep in mind that this might not be your thing. The Holy Spirit can reveal that to you. He has a really cool way of doing that. What keeps us, what keeps you from being radically in love with Jesus? The first thing I thought of was, I think Jesus has become commonplace to us. We're used to him. We have stopped being in awe of him. About eight years ago, my family moved from a tiny little 1,000 square foot house that was so lovely and we loved it so much. See, big feelings. Um, (laughs) Into a new 3,000 square foot home. And I will never forget that first morning, coming down, I told the story before, coming down the hallway and turning around and seeing my kitchen, wow, like granite countertops. My other kitchen, I could almost reach wall to wall if I did that, granite countertops, more cabinets than I had stuff to fill. They're filled now. <laughs> I mean, a place to put a table where people could actually come and sit down and eat and not have to sit on my couch with a pillow and a towel over the pillow some of you remember doing that. Here's a pillow, here's a towel, go sit on the couch and put your plate on it. I remember just being like, "Wow. That's my kitchen." Like I was so in awe of the fact that I had this kitchen. And then fast forward a few years, actually, let's just be honest, probably a couple of weeks, maybe a month. And it was just my kitchen. Didn't seem wow anymore. I would come down the hallway and turn, turn around, turn into the kitchen, and I didn't have that moment of, this is my kitchen. Now, mind you, I still really like my kitchen, and I'm very grateful for it. But I'd lost the wow and the awe of it. And I think for some of us, that's what's happened with us in Jesus. We've lost our awe of him. I think alongside of that, we've become so consumed with earthly things. We've become so consumed with earthly things that we, we just aren't consumed with Jesus. Whether it be our kids I don't mean we shouldn't care for our kids. I'm talking about idolatry of our children or our work or our activities or our stuff. We're just so consumed with everything we have. It's so all-consuming that we've just kind of pushed them aside. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 say this, "'Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too.'" That's what Paul just said. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. My fear is that we have filled our thoughts so much with the things of the natural realm that there's no room for us to fill our thoughts with treasures of heaven. I think we've become too stressed and too busy to deeply love Jesus. I also think we've just kind of forgotten. We've forgotten. We have good intentions. We want to, but we forget. Husbands, you might be able to relate to this a tiny bit, or wives too, I guess. You know, you, you know it's your anniversary coming up, and you know you should get her flowers. But you got to have that little reminder in your calendar, right? Just a little reminder. You have good intentions, but you need a little reminder. Maybe we need to give ourselves reminders. Put it in our phone. Write a note and stick it on your wall. Don't forget to love Jesus today. I know that sounds tacky, but some of you need it because you've forgotten To love Jesus. Number three. Some of you just have no desire to be in love with Jesus. Isaiah 29, 13 says this. This is what the Lord says about these people. They come near me with hollow words and they honor me superficially with their lips. All the while their hearts run far away from me. Their worship is nothing more than man-made rules. Some of you are going through the motions of saying you love Jesus because you know it's the right thing to do, or you want some fire insurance. But you don't really love Jesus. Jesus had some strong words about those kind of people. He said, I want you to either be hot, madly in love with me, pursuing me, or cold. Pick one side. Are you with him or are you on the other team? Pick one. Because the lukewarm people, you know what happens to them? They think they're good with God and nope. He spews them, spits them out of his mouth. They have no relationship with him in eternity. Pick a side. Are you in or are you out? Quit playing the middle road. Number four. You just have a lack of experience with Jesus. You see other people have experiences, but you haven't. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions With all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. I love this because it says, Become. Become means to begin something, it points to something that wasn't before. Becoming intimate with the Lord has a starting point. That can be today. Maybe you have yet to experience this deep love of Jesus that I'm talking about. Another way of saying this is that you have head knowledge, but you have yet to gain the heart knowledge of knowing Jesus. When I woke up yesterday morning, as soon as I woke up, I heard the Holy Spirit say, some of you have given him your intellect but you are holding back your emotions from him. God doesn't just want your intellect. He doesn't just want your knowledge of him. He wants your emotions too. He knows you know about him. He knows that you even understand some really deep concepts about his word. But do you tell him with your words and with your emotions? And I I get this. I get this side of it. I am not standing up here telling you that this is super easy for me. I'm not a real super duper lovey person. Chris will say to me multiple times a day, I love you. I love you. I love you. But I'm not great at that part of our relationship. Saying I love you is hard for me. I'm much better at showing my love than saying my love. Sometimes he'll say to me, do you love me? I'll be like, pfft, you know I do. I just did the dishes. I know. I'm telling you. And his reply is, I just needed to hear you say it. I do this with God, too. He'll say, Heather, do you love me? And my reply will be, yes, God. Look at all these things that I'm doing for you. He says, Heather, I just need to hear you say it. I need to hear your heart say it. I don't fall down on my knees in worship because it's comfortable down there. Like My legs fall asleep, and then I can't stand up. I fall down on my knees because I can't handle standing on my feet being in his presence. I I have to show him somehow. He desires this from you. He desires every part of you that he created. He created your intellect. He created your body. He also created your emotions. He desires every part of how he created you. Number five is Sin in your life. Some of you are not able to experience the deep love with Jesus because there is some sin in your life that you have not yet confessed or dealt with. This is going to hurt. This one hurts. I don't think we talk about confession and repentance nearly enough. should be a daily, daily thing for every single one of us. Proverbs 66, verse 15 through 18 says, This is King David. Okay, King David is is talking to God and then he's in these switches and he's talking to us. He says, Here it is. All that I said I would offer you is yours. The best I have to bring. Remember, King David was a murderer, cheated, uh, he did all sorts of crazy stuff. He says, I'll throw all of it onto the fire as the fragrance of my sacrifice ascends unto you. All you lovers of God who want to please him, come and listen. I'll tell you what he did for me. I cried aloud to him with all of my heart and he answered me. Now my mouth overflows with the highest praise. Yet, if I had closed my eyes to my sin, the Lord God would have closed his ears to my prayer. Some of you have unconfessed sin in your life that is keeping you from being passionately in love with Jesus. And that needs to end right now. You need to go into a moment where you repent and you confess. And he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will not hold it over your head. He will not make you feel beat down. He will cause you to feel freedom in his presence. Number six is a fear of man. Some of you are so scared of what the person next to you might think of you, or the person you work with, or the person that doesn't even know you on Instagram, that you're just like, I'm just going to play it cool with Jesus. Matthew 10, 28 says, don't be in fear of those who can only kill your body, (laughs) but not your soul. Fear only God, who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Stop being scared of men. Stop it. It's not worth it. And then on the other side of it, some of you have the wrong fear of God. Fear of God is a biblical term, but not in the like, ooh, I'm scared of God. Many fear God in that incorrect way. We fear him because we fear we're not doing enough for him or we aren't good enough for him. So instead of engaging with him in an intimate way, we keep our distance because we're afraid we might make him mad at us. We have an incorrect view of the fear of God. The fear of God that the Bible talks about is actually a reverence. It's a fear of being without him. It implies that we have a reverence for him that draws us closer. It's a correct view of our standing versus his. See, God does not want our time and our attention and our emotions because we feel guilty. If you're feeling guilty about it, just don't bother. That's that's like a slap in the face to him. how horrible is it to find out that someone has just spent time with you because they felt like they had to? Like, I would rather you just tell me, "Eh, I don't really want to spend time with you than to fake it and find out they didn't actually want to be with me. God is the same way. That's why he gave us a choice. We choose to fall in love with him. We choose to engage with him. It's your choice. It's yours. Number eight is you think that a radical kind of love that I'm talking about is reserved for just a select few, and that's just a lie. That's just the devil lying to you. John 1.12 says, but all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children of God, that's a pretty intimate relationship. So I've only touched on a few reasons. I know there are lots of others. I may not have touched on yours. But whatever it is, whatever it is that's keeping you from falling madly and deeply in love with Jesus, figure out. Figure out what it is. Deal with it. I think the Lord has given us this incredible gift in the form of the Trinity to show us what love really looks like from him. We have all of these physical examples here on earth of our human relationships. Go down this trail with me for a minute. It's really cool. He didn't leave anything out. He's God the Father. And we know what a father or a parent's love is because of the love that we have from our own parents or as parents what we give to our children. He made us fathers and mothers and sons and daughters so we know both of those kinds of love. God the Father, Jesus the Son. We understand the romantic, passionate love of a spouse and he compares the church as the bride and Jesus as the bridegroom see what's happening? He gave us the Holy Spirit to show us the love of a friend and of a helper. And I think he did that, just a thought, so that we would be able to return that love to him in all of these different ways. We get to love him as a father. We get to love him as a friend. We get to love him as our helper and as an intimate lover. And if that makes you uncomfortable, go read the Song of Solomon. Because I don't like anybody just whoop. But I wonder if because so many of us have failed human relationships that we have lost our desire for intimacy with Jesus because we are scared of failure in that relationship too. So we're letting the very thing that God gave us to show how to love him keep us from loving him deeply and intimately. So how do we get there? How do we begin to fall madly in love with Jesus that affects affects every part of our lives? And I want to ask you a question right now, and I want you to answer it honestly in your heart. If Jesus came right now and he stood right here and he looked out across this room, when he looked at you, when he looked in your eyes, would he say, now there, there's somebody that really loves me? Or would he look in your eyes and would he... See, would you see in His longing, longing for you, a longing to know you, and a sadness because of a lack of relationship with you because you've withheld yourself from Him? Can you say without pause and without embarrassment, I am so in love with Jesus? Ask yourself that question. Can you say it in front of anyone? For some of you, that's way too uncomfortable. And you can't say it because it's not true. But I want today to be the day that marks the beginning of you falling so madly in love with Jesus. I will never forget the first time that man told me that he loved me. I will never forget it. It's etched in my mind. I can remember what it sounded like, what I felt, where we were. And Jesus is longing to hear you say that. He's longing to hear you say that to him. Jesus, I am so in love with you. So I want to leave you with some really quick practical thoughts about how to do this. How do you fall more madly in love with Jesus? Tell him. Tell him that's what you want. Um, Remember at the start when I told you about how the biggest feeling that I had this year was this overwhelming love for Jesus? Remember that? No one remembers it? Okay. Well, it's partly because I asked him for it. On January 1st of this year, I went back and I looked at what I wrote in my journal of January 1st, 2020. I hadn't gone back and read this for a year. This is what I wrote. All that I want is to hear God's voice and to fall even more in love with him. (laughs) He's faithful. He is faithful to give you what you ask him for when it lines up with his word. So spend time with him. This is number two. Read his word. He's given us this incredible gift, and some of you are like, man, I just don't get it when I read it. That's okay. You don't have to get it all yet. It'll come. What starts as a discipline becomes a desire. And you end up longing to read his word because it teaches you about him. And you feel His character, and you know his character because you spend time reading about who he is. Talk to him. Tell him your thoughts. Go into the woods and just be quiet and listen. You would be amazed at what the rustling trees, maybe you wouldn't, maybe you already know this, but the tweeting birds, how they can overwhelm you with the love of Jesus. Put on worship music and then really mean the words that you sing. Listen to them and think, do I mean these words? Do I really want to be tried by fire? Don't sing it if you don't mean it. That's fake. And God does not want fake. James 4.8 says, come close to God and God will come close to you. Imagine if you only spent one hour a week with your spouse. Some of you are like, sounds pretty good. <laughs> Listen. I know, you text me, you call us. (laughs) But what kind of a relationship would you have if you spent one hour a week with your spouse? Probably wouldn't be that great, would it? But some of you, that's all you're giving God. It's one hour on a Sunday evening, and even that's half-hearted. You're like, "Mm, I just don't really feel like going tonight, and the game's on, and Man, they're probably going to sing those mushy songs. I don't know. Okay, I'll go because I know it's what I'm supposed to do. If that's what you're giving God, that is not a relationship. Spend time with him. Get to know him, and I promise you, you will fall in love with him. I promise it. I had this incredible privilege of watching my husband fall in love with me and then fall madly in love with Jesus. He loved him before, but in the last 20 years, I've seen this man become preoccupied with Jesus in the best sort of way. There are many nights when I will wake up in the middle of the night and I'll hear singing coming from downstairs, and at first it'll kind of freak me out. (laughs) And then I'll realize it's Chris all alone in the middle of the night singing his heart out to Jesus. That's the kind of love for Jesus that you get when you've put him first. That's the kind of love you get when you've spent time with him. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen magically. It happens because you work to know him. You invest in him. Number three, learn to love him through serving others. Be the hands and feet of Jesus and watch your love for him grow. People who are so in love with Jesus are known by how well they love others. This is Old Testament law, and then Jesus reiterates it. He says, two commandments, love God, love people. Being so in love with Jesus will infiltrate every single part of your life. Every single part. It'll it'll change how you work. It'll change how you love your spouse. It'll change how you talk to your kids. It'll change what you watch and listen to. You know, I didn't realize this, but this year as I've been falling more in love with Jesus, I stopped watching a bunch of TV shows. And I didn't even realize it. Until I was writing this message and then it hit me that I was watching these shows and something wasn't resonating with my spirit that loves Jesus so much. And I, I, I couldn't watch him anymore. And I'm not saying this to be legalistic. I like a good show like y'all do. I'm saying it because when you, when you experience this love of Jesus, it literally changes everything in your life. So let me ask you this again. Do you love Jesus like I love Jesus? Do you? And if you say, no, Heather, I don't, today is the day to tell him. Today is the day to tell him, Jesus, I love you so much. And you might be surrounded in your life by people that say, I have enough of God, thank you very much. But Don't let that stop you. Do not let that stop you from a desire for more of him, for a deeper love of him. Be okay with being radical for Jesus. Be okay with it. This past summer, there was a song that every time it would come on, I would just find myself in tears, which is a little unusual for me. Um, Chris has... Changed me in a lot of ways. <laughs> I think I've toughened you up a little bit, too. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, just so we're, you know, like, whew. But this song, it would come on, and it would just, it would wreck me. And I was like, why does that wreck me? Why does that song wreck me? And I realized it's because the words meant so much to me. I felt like the words were the song of my heart, so, the band, I asked them specially to play this song. And I don't want you to just stand and sing. I want you to listen. I want you to listen to these words and take them in. You know, King Solomon said, Don't rush at God with all your words. We rush at God and we're just. Blah, 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 blah. Just be still in his presence, soak in his presence. Let him speak to you. Let him come over you like a warm blanket on an airplane. So as you listen, as you listen, remember that maybe all he wants is your attention. And as you listen to the words, let your heart respond the way it needs to respond. That might look different for everybody in this room. It might just be simply sitting and being quiet. It might be that tears fall down your face. It might be that you have to stand and raise your hands. It might be that you have to get down on your knees. It might be that you have to come up to the altar and lay flat on the floor before Jesus. You respond the way your heart is telling you to respond. God wants your emotions. He wants to see them. He wants to hear them. Let today be the day that you can say without hesitation, Jesus, I am madly, madly in love with you. Now just close your eyes and listen as the band sings this song and let your heart respond.